All right, everyone. Welcome to the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast with Andrew Drozdak and Thomas Bowen. This is a podcast for slightly above average football fans, slightly below average football fans that want to learn more about the game. And if you're a football junkie, this is the podcast for you. We're glad you're here and we hope you enjoy it. All right, here we are for episode 11 of season three of the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast. My name is Andrew Drozdek. I am one of your co-hosts. I'm joined today by the guy who wants to make Lane Kiffin the governor of Mississippi, Thomas Bowen. How's it going, Thomas? Whew, man, that one. Uh, You've come pretty far out of left field before, (laughs) but uh, that one right there, I got nothing, man, other than to say I am here, I am ready to talk some football, and I'm looking forward to a good weekend. Me too. And if you're looking forward to a good weekend, maybe trying to put a little action down on some games, you need to check out Better's Edge. It's the premier no-fee social betting marketplace. Better's Edge allows users to create their own prices and lines for betting for sports betting positions in 45 states, most importantly in South Carolina, that are often better than you can find anywhere else. Use the code AVERAGE at sign up to get $20 in your wallet when you verify your account. Just for listening to the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast, visit bettersedge.com slash average to get started today. That's B-E-T, excuse me, B-E-T-T-O-R-E-D-G-E.com slash average. So Thomas, let's talk a little reaction to last week. Uh, I'm going to let you lead the ship here. Man, uh, uh, and uh, I love to do it. Uh, I love to eat some crow on this one because... I was dead wrong on Ole Miss. I believe last week I said, assuming Ole Miss could beat LSU, which I felt very strongly they could, that they would run the table the rest of their schedule, including beating Alabama. But, oh, my Lord, where has this LSU team been all year? I think, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but it was a second-half explosion from the LSU offense. Um, I think – uh, I don't. I don't remember if they shut out Ole Miss in the second half or not. But where has this LSU team been all year? That was wild. I mean, you know, you, you're eating crow. I'm going to eat some crow too. I mean, we both were in that boat. We were, you know, I said, "What does Vegas know that we we don't know?" And apparently, they knew something, um, as they usually do. Uh, I, I, great question. Where has this LSU team been? This is not the LSU team, or at least in the second half, it was not the LSU team that played Tennessee. This team was. Uh, you know, just doing some great things. And, man, we, we're both dead wrong on Old Miss and LSU. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And and honestly, don't know what more to say about that. I'm curious to see what Old Miss can do from, from a rebound standpoint. And they've still got a lot to play for here. Um, you know, pro- probably don't feel as strongly about them beating Alabama as I did last week. Uh, but you never know. Crazier things have happened. Speaking of crazier things happening, um, Ohio State, man, uh, that game against Iowa, I believe uh, we looked at that game as I think it was a 20-plus point spread, but Iowa was going to be the best defense that they faced all year. I didn't honestly think that that Iowa could score on Ohio State. I don't know that there's a lot of teams that Iowa can score on, but honestly, I just (sighs) – I think you you said it well. You said, you know, is Ohio State that good or is Iowa just that bad? Iowa is truly just that bad. The interesting thing, though, to to note from from that game is 
Iowa sold out to stop the run, and, and they and they succeeded in that. Held Ohio State to I think sixty six rushing yards. But the thing about Ohio State that we see year in and year out in the Ryan Day era at Ohio State is you can shut down one aspect of their offense, but you cannot shut down both, and they torched them over the top. Yeah, uh, yep, dead on, exactly what I was going to say. I mean, yeah, I mean, Iowa's defense is very good. It's got to be very frustrating for their defense to watch their offense just not be able to move the ball or do anything with it. Um, similar to some games with South Carolina's team this year. And, I mean, you know, if you go back to the Lou Holtz era during that tough stretch, the 1-21 and 21 or, you know, 21 straight game losing streak, we had some pretty good defenses. We just couldn't score points. That You know, Iowa's in that rut right now. You, It's great to play great defense. You know, everybody says defense wins championships, and defense is vital. But if you can't score, it does not matter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're you're absolutely right, uh, and and you're you're just teeing up the segues for me today. So I really appreciate that you're on your A game. Um, but but speaking of scoring some points, let's let's touch on the the A and M South Carolina game from sure. last week. You know, South Carolina finally got the monkey off of its back, beating A and M. Um, an exciting game, a frustrating game at times that that we'll get into here in a minute, but. You talked about last week about how important it was for South Carolina to start hot. That is how you start hot with a 100-yard touchdown return on the opening kickoff. Um, couldn't believe that. That was great to see. Um, I think I think I mentioned it last week. You know, A Chain, fantastic running back for AM, much like Chris Rodriguez at Kentucky, said he's going to get his yards, and he did just shy of 100 yards and a touchdown. But it's about limiting the explosive plays. And I learned a stat today, and I want to know if you knew this because this was very surprising to me and um, quite, quite nice to learn this that <clears throat> South Carolina is second in the nation in explosive plays allowed. Did you know that? I did not I, know that. I did not know that. So what you're saying there is, is that we've given up the, the second fewest? Essentially? Yes. Got yes. It. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. The second fewest. And I think we, we, we've known that South Carolina's defense is very much a bend, don't break defense, mm-hmm. but second in the nation. That That is pretty impressive right there. Right. Um, and I know we're going to talk about this guy a little bit more later. Tonka Hemingway with another huge game. Huge game. Yeah, he is that dude. Uh, tackle for loss, had a pass deflection, two fumbles recovered. I'm loving how much he stepped up the second half of this season. And speaking of turning it up a notch, I think this is two weeks in a row that I have been very impressed with Jordan Birch. Seven tackles last week, pass deflection, two quarterback hurries. That guy has really turned it up. No sacks in the game, but this defense uh, manufactured nine quarterback hurries. I will take that all day long. Finally, finally, that was that's all the good, all good. You know, that's that's the, that's that's the cream of the Halloween candy crop right there. Now let's talk about the offense. Now let's talk about the offense, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna tee you up here because I know you've got a lot of thoughts on it here. But I looked back at the drive chart from this game, particularly in the first half, and then and then on into the second half. But Satterfield, once again trying to be cute or, or really just being the moron that he is. I noticed this first drive of the game, Rattler run, that could have been a, a, a flush from the pocket. I don't know if it was a design run. Rattler run, Rattler incompletion, Rattler incompletion, field goal. Second drive, CBS run, Lloyd run, 
Lloyd run CBS touchdown. What have we been saying for weeks? Run the friggin' ball. Just run it. Every drive that ended in a touchdown in that game was about 90% running plays on the drive. I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious. I just, uh, I don't understand it. It's, it's very frustrating. And I'm like, just, I feel like coach Kilmer bashing the whistle on the head, stick to the basics, stick to the basics. That's what they've got to do. Those are the main points I saw in that game. And I want to know what you saw from the offensive side of the ball in that game. So, yeah, I, I had to watch the replay. Uh, I mentioned last episode, uh, you know, I had my, my high school reunion going on. If you were on the west side of Spartanburg near Westgate Mall, uh, out near an event center called the 1881 uh, Event Center, and you heard a lot of noise, that was my class and I getting a little crazy. <laughs> and uh, we, did not, we did not have a television. So I've had to watch the replay. Um, but I've watched it a couple times now, as I always do. Here's the thing I'm just going to start with. Here's the thing I'm just going to start with. Unacceptable. Unacceptable stat. Three touches for Marshawn Lloyd in the first half. That's Garbage. ridiculous. And, you know, here's the thing that drove me nuts. Here's a you-don't-get-it moment from Marcus Satterfield. He had his press conference today. He was asked about it. He was asked about the second-half resurgence, this, that, and the other. And his quote or his statement was essentially, we were running the same type of play, calling the same plays in the second half we were calling in the first half. Yeah, coach, but there's one key element you weren't using. Number one, he was standing on the sideline. Marshawn Lloyd, he needs to be out there. You don't take your star running back out. No, Nothing against CBS. Nothing against him. He does well, but he's not Marshawn Lloyd. It's just an absolute ridiculous thing to see this happen over and over again. And again, Thomas, you said great first start, but again, for two weeks now, and we'll talk about this when we can talk about the line a little bit later, it's in the uh, Missouri game. Two weeks now, defense and special teams has bailed this offense out. You know, a hundred-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. You're right; it doesn't get any any louder, any more exciting than that return. And it's great; it puts seven points on the board, and that is awesome. Then a pick that really should have been a pick six. You can't get a touchdown because of because of poor pass before because of poor play calling and because of some poor pocket presence by the quarterback. And then you get a run, you get a, a fumble return to a short field. Then you run the ball and you get a touchdown. So this, this ought to look better than it did. And it just didn't, you know, it's frustrating. Then I go into later third and four. I think it was the second drive maybe, or, or it actually would have been, I guess technically the third or fourth drive. Cause it would have been one of the times where they hadn't turned it over to us. The wildcat with CB, CBS. Why? Why? I mean, that's just literally my question. Why? Because the thing about the Wildcat when it was new age, which, by the way, Marcus Satterfield, I, I think was 10 years ago at this point, yeah. like, was what are they going to do? When they direct snap it to the running backs, he's going to try and throw it? If you give it to Christian Bale Smith, I have no concern of him throwing that football if I'm a defensive coordinator or defensive player. Honestly, with Dak Prescott, or excuse me, Dak, Dak Prescott, Dak <laughs> Joyner, um, he has shown, other than the bowl game, he's not going to throw it. So, I mean, if you want to do something like that, that's a great time to have a Luke Doty, Doty package. He is a true quarterback with running ability. Or, here's a crazy thought, Thomas. Here's an absolutely ludicrous idea. Give it to your star running back. I, I, I mean, it doesn't get more simple than that. 
And, you know, there was some some bad drops early in the first uh, half there, particularly all through the first half, by some usually reliable players. Also, you had a tough fumble by Juju that really hurt some things there. But I still don't get the ideas that we're trying to use in the first half. You know, again, and I appreciate Marshawn Lloyd <clears throat> came out on social media, said, stop disrespecting my coach. The plays are there. We're not making them. Well, here's the thing, and I love that kid, and I love him for standing up for his coach. But here's what I would say to that. If the plays are there and you're not making them, here's a couple things in my mind. That means your playbook's too big because you're practicing too much, too many different things during the practice week, and you're not ready to run the play. And if you aren't doing that, the nuances of that play, the details of making that play successful aren't being taught well. So there, one of two things is the problem there, in my opinion. Because players, you know, you have immense talent. If you put too much on a player's plate, it's not going to work. It's just not. This isn't the NFL. They don't have endless amount of time to get ready for a game. They are limited. They are young kids. Stop trying to run NFL offense in college. Just stop it. It's, it's just ridiculous. I will say, Thomas, there were some, and I have this in quotes on my paper because I'm being sarcastic. There were some, quote, air quote, shocking missed play, at, or excuse me, pass interference calls <laughs> that didn't go against Texas A&M. Uh, where there were some ticky-tack calls on, on our defense. And so that is frustrating to me. And Thomas, my dad and I literally had this conversation on the way home, on my home from work today, so it's not in the notes. He was talking about, he's listening to different sports talk uh, in Columbia, and that some of them are talking about, is Spencer Radler holding South Carolina back? Is, is Spencer Radler, can you think of a game that Spencer Radler one for the Gamecocks. No. And, and you can't. You can't. You could almost make an argument at Arkansas, he kind of sunk us. Down 14, throws a key pick late in the game. We're going in the red zone. And, you know, things kind of unravel from there. I just, I'm going to give you three examples, Thomas, and they actually happen to happen right in a row. Three plays in a row, about a minute or so left in the first half. About a minute, I think it started with a minute 50. Great down-the-sideline throw to Juice Wells. Drops it in a bucket right over his shoulder. Great throw, tight window. Again, Marcus Satterfield, I'm going to point out to you, he likes to throw it between the hash and the sideline. Call those routes. Call them. He likes them. He's more comfortable there. Very next play, Thomas. Very next play. I can't remember if it was a play action or not, but Jalen Brooks breaks free in the end zone. It's a simple post route. Bad throw. So you got a good throw. On that nice down the sideline, bad throw down the middle, wide open guy. He even tries to contort his body and make the catch. Can't come down with it. And then the ugly. So we got the good, bad, and the ugly. Third and 10. And we have a blitzer coming on a pass place. Third and 10. Got to run the ball. I got to pass the ball there. And Marshawn Lloyd picks it up, picks up the blitzer. All Spencer has to do is trust his running back that he's going to pick up that blitzer, stand in the pocket, not even step up in the pocket, just stay in the pocket, and I guarantee someone's breaking open. And he bails out. He has to end up throwing the ball away, end of play. Shrinks the field on himself. Earlier, there was a key play where he had Josh Van in the commentator's point of this. He had Josh Van wide open in the middle of the field. Starts running for no particular reason. Still gets the ball to Josh, and Josh makes a great little after-the-catch move to, to get a few extra yards. But that could have been a much bigger game. So I, I just – it's hit and miss right now. And, I mean, right now we're missing more than we're hitting at quarterback, and that's a problem. Uh, I will tell you, our punter, Thomas, is his first name Kai? Is that how I say his first name? Yep, Kai Kroger. 
Kai Kroger was a weapon. A straight-up Dustin Colquitt, Colquitt family, old guys at Tennessee weapon. He pinned Texas A&M deep so many times. He he deserved a game ball. I hope he got one. Because, you know, great <laughs> great kick return there um, on the opening kickoff for a touchdown. That's huge. That's epic. But what the average fan might miss is he kept putting Texas A&M in bad field position. Oh, yeah. Where could have easily bounced that ball into the end zone and they get it at the 20 or 25, and they're in a much easier situation. So it was really, really impressive. Defensively, and Thomas, I didn't even know that stat that you brought up about the explosive plays, but I really feel like it connects to my next point here. Our safety play has been night and day different. Oh, yeah. Yes. And, and you essentially got some freshmen out there, which mm-hmm. is crazy, but they are doing a good job, particularly on run fits particularly on run fits. And, you know, I, I've been really impressed, and you already said this, but Tonka Hemingway, man, that dude, <laughs> man, I don't know what he's going to do. You know, is he, he's got another eligibility, year of eligibility, right? Yeah, he's a junior. So he can – I mean, obviously he needs to come back, maybe keep developing. I don't know if he's a play-on-Sunday guy or not, but I'll tell you what he is, is an absolute college football stud. Yeah. Because – he makes plays. He, you know, sometimes you're just in the right place. That bad snap there from the center to the quarterback bounces off his leg. So, by the way, I was listening to that in the on the radio. Todd Ellis, I God love Todd. He loves South Carolina so much. <laughs> Have you listened to a Todd Ellis game recently? Oh yeah. Yeah, dude, I, I'm confused. I'm like, did he throw an interception? Did he pick it? Do we have the uh, ball? He, like, he what's gets too fired up? I'm like, what's happening? He's like, Taka, Taka, Taka. I'm like, what did Taka do? Did he sack him? Did he kill a guy? What happened? Like, yeah. that just it's insane. But um, finally got that. You know, Tommy usually comes in and cleans it up and is like, yeah. all right, so this is what happened. And I'm like, thank you, Tommy. So, Thomas, I mean, do you have anything else before we flush that game uh, as we move into the Missouri South Carolina uh, game discussion? I mean, defense, A. Special teams, A+. plus. Offense, maybe a C? Yeah, I was, I was going to go C, maybe, maybe C+. Plus, but, yeah, I don't think you can do much better than that. And, again, while you, while you said it, there were some, some bad drops. Jaheim Bell had a very bad, yeah. very bad drop where he was turning up the field before he had caught the ball, which that's just that's fundamental football, and he's got to clean that up. But, but – I say all that to say the majority of that C or C plus grade falls on the OC. That's correct. That's correct. And Thomas, before we switch to Missouri, remind our listeners, because you know I know, who is our quarterback coach? I believe that would be the one and only Marcus Satterfield. Okay. Enough said. Enough said. Moving into South Carolina and Missouri. South Carolina's offense, we, we have to play better. I mean, we were. I'm not going to completely beat the horse. You got to score points. You can't rely on your defense to give you a short field. You can't rely on the special teams to block a punt, give you a short field, or give you a free touchdown. I saw somewhere somebody pointed out we were like eighth in the league in scoring or sixth in the league in scoring, 33, 33 points a game. That's all well and good, and it is. But what happens when you take out the special team scores? What happens when you take out the short field scores? And those things are part of the game, but you can't count on that all year long. You know, Carolina's got a four-game winning streak going. Sometimes that horseshoe will fall out, if you know what I'm saying. And, you know, you can't count on that. The offense has to start faster. The offensive line, Thomas, I feel like has, has really, really gotten better um, from the beginning Absolutely. of the season particularly in these last 
four games, which are all, you know, all games, but really the SEC games, the Kentucky and the Texas A&M game, they have looked strong. I've said it a million times now. I know I said it last week and the week before. Start your game plan by giving the ball to Marshawn Lloyd. Just, just Nate Atkins. By the way, we couldn't remember his first name earlier. That's that's the coach's son, Nate Atkins. Go watch, fans. Look for number forty-four for South Carolina. If there's a big run to the outside, he is somewhere laying a block. I feel like him being in the game more and him being used as that edge blocker, that ceiling guy or that kickout guy, has a lot to do with our improvement in the run game. I'm just going to be honest. He is making things happen that we didn't have room. Marshawn, Marshawn has this ability to bounce off defenders. Like he's like that pinball running back, you know, a la, and again, I'm not comparing him to this guy, a la Emmett Smith. They used to say he was just a pinball. He just didn't go down. Well, Marshawn's a lot like that. And he'll get hit three yards deep and turn it into a 10 yard, 20 yard, even 30, 45 yard gain. And But if you give him a, a daylight, if you give him a situation where he's got a blocker where Nate Atkins can get out there and throw a block and give him an edge, it's even better because now he's got a full head of steam. And instead of fighting off a defensive lineman in the backfield, he's fighting off uh, a linebacker or a guy in the secondary. Thomas, I, I, I know I've been short lately on these, but I mean, I just I feel like I'm beating a dead horse and it's it's pretty simple in my book. Like it literally is pretty simple in my book. Run the football, set up play action pass, use your RPO, and go play ball. It's it's not with what we have on offense, it should not be this hard. It really shouldn't. And somebody mentioned this the other day, and I think you and I have had the same conversation. What could Steve Spurrier do with oh this offense? God. Oh my what, god. Even Spencer Radler, who struggled at times, Steve Spurrier made reading the reading the defense super easy. Talk to listen to any former Spurrier quarterback talk. I've had Perry Orth on the show. You know, you hear other guys talk. They'll see a formation and something the defense is doing. They know what they're that what that quarterback's about to do. They will tell you, "Up, oh, that's Bandit right. We're going here. He's going to. They got too high safety. They stay like that. He's going to the left side of the field. They can tell you before it snapped because it's that easy for them. And that's what he did. You. You're making it too complicated, Marcus Satterfield. And, Thomas, I say all that to lead into this Missouri defense is not a bad defense, and it's one of the most improved defenses in the in the league. So what are we facing this week? Yeah, you're right, particularly when you look at their at their run defense and and you talked about the the simplicity or, or the simplistic game plan offensively that South Carolina needs to have, which gives me a little bit of pause here because this Missouri run defense is pretty damn solid. Um, just personnel-wise or, or rather coaching-wise, they do have a new defensive coordinator, Blake Baker, he was originally hired to coach the safeties uh, in January of this year, but promoted to D.C. after Steve Wilkes returned to the NFL. Previously linebacker coach at LSU. Before that was the D.C. at Miami under Manny Diaz. Schematically, likes to run that 4-2-5 base, which, as, as our listeners know, is absolutely my favorite defense. Um, they do run it with three safeties, one being that hybrid they call the star position. They'll like to roll that down into run support. Um, That's kind of how Georgia that, does it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. When when they do go to that four man front, and of course Georgia will go three three five and right, three four right, right. a little bit too from from the from the Saban tree. Um, certainly an improvement over last year. They they've still got a, a lot to improve upon. Um, you know, last week they pitched a first half shutout and only gave up seven points the whole game to Vanderbilt. 
So just perspective here, putting it in perspective, uh, they're giving up around 200 passing yards a game, about 127 rush yards a game. Um, but again, yeah, definitely stout in the run game. They've got a solid defensive line. Uh, I think they've got a, a uh, I can't remember the kid's name, but they've got a, 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 a Columbia, South Carolina uh, product on the defensive line who, who moves a lot for them and, and is a big key to that front. Another Irmo um, guy. Yeah, that's right, Irmo. Yeah, you're right. <clears throat> um, but yeah, solid defensive front. I really think they're going to load the box here, try to stop South Carolina's run game. Um, you know, because <laughs> you look at it, if you're if you're Blake Baker, the D.C. from Missouri, coming into this game, and let's say you know nothing about Marcus Satterfield or his offensive game plans, you say, well, gosh, Marshawn Lloyd, Christian Beal Smith, they're going to be running the ball, so we got to sell out, stop the run. But who knows what Satterfield's going to do? Who knows? So I really think that – they're going to come into it with with the smart game plan, uh, load the box, stop the run game. Uh, they do like to be aggressive, um, likes to call things aggressively. Not quite on the on the Brent Venables level of aggressive, but I think you're going to see some exotic blitzes. Um, South Carolina probably needs to, and I haven't seen them do this a lot this year, but probably needs to keep a back in the backfield to block on some of those passing downs. Um, uh, South Carolina's offense loves to swing it back out as that check down for, for check down Charlie if, if he happens to stay in the pocket there. Um, <laughs> but th- I think we're really going to have to d- run some max pro, some max protect on this, leave guys in the block, two tight ends on the field, uh, 12 personnel. I think you're going to see a lot of that from South Carolina to counter some of this exotic looks. But uh like a lot of teams, I really think they're going to load the box. They're going to roll that star hybrid safety down and sell out to stop the run there. Um, so, again, and and this will be evident whenever I get to the other side, to the Carolina defense here, but a lot of really simplistic game plans coming into this game. Um, so I'm curious what, what, what you're looking at from Missouri's offensive perspective and how they're going to try to attack South Carolina's defense. Yeah, so Missouri's offense is the plays are called by head coach Eli is is Drinkwitz. Is that how yep. I say that? Yeah, yep. I, I kept wanting to say Drunkowitz, but maybe that's just what he had. Maybe that's what he is after a few <laughs> drinks. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's not Sarkeesian. Come on. Yeah, come on. Hey, oh, zinger. All right. <laughs> so he started off working his career uh, in high school, Thomas. I don't know if you knew this. I did not. Under Gus Malzahn. He was a, I did not you know, know that. When he was in a uh, high school coach. And then went and worked um, underneath Auburn's current head coach Brian. Is it Harson? Harson, yeah, yeah. And so he's got some, you know, some some chops there. Um, but is a spread based shotgun offense that, believe it or not, Thomas, because most spread based shotgun offenses are pass first. This is a run first team. They they want to run the ball. They're going to use their quarterback in the run game. Like to get a lot of pre snap motion to try and dictate the numbers. This is a team that's going to look at the numbers of uh, players in the box. They're, that's how they're going to decide what they're doing. They're they're going to be a team that probably calls two plays in a way that they're going to you know the center is going to identify the mic and then all the guys are going to count. The quarterback is going to count. He may look to the sideline. Okay, they've got six in the box, so we're going to look to throw this screen out to the wide receiver or a now screen or a split screen or something like that or slip screen. And if we bring a blitzer, they're going to have an RPO set up for that too. So they they are a numbers game team. If you show five in the box, they're going to try and run it on you. 
if you bring an extra man or two, they're going to try and throw it on you, and they're going to have try to have the quarterback have the option. The quarterback uh, is going to be somebody who is going to be some, uh, you know, an athletic. Brady Cook is their quarterback. He is the new starter this year after they lost their starter last year to the transfer portal. Here's the thing about this offense, Thomas. They on the season they have 268 rushing attempts against 203 passing attempts. So they truly want to run the ball first. And they're going to then use that quick pass game and play action to get you to come up, bring your corners up, bring your safeties up to try and stop that, and then try to throw it over your heads. But Brady Cooks has some some tough games. He's uh, got seven interceptions this year. He's he's completing a lot of his passes, but a high percentage of his passes, I should say. But like I said, the seven interceptions. He's got 65 rushing attempts this year, Thomas. Uh, the other two leading rushers on this team, Nathaniel Pete and Cody Schrader, uh, have around 70 and 85 yard rushing attempts uh, or 85 rushing attempts on the season, respectively. Here's the thing, though, Thomas, this Missouri offensive line is not great. They have given up 15 sacks this year. And also none of those runners, as much as these guys want to run the ball, have a great per rush average because there's just not a whole lot of space. Missouri has hung around in a lot of games and it's been because of their defense. So, Overall, South Carolina fans, what you're going to expect to see out of this offense when they're on the field, quarterback in the shotgun, most likely going to have a back offset to his left or right. He's going to give one of the good old fake snap things, You know, look to the sideline. They're going to tell him which play to run. He'll make a quick call, or they'll go ahead and snap it. You bring an extra man in the box. They're going to pull it out of the quarterback or out of the running back's belly, try to throw a quick pass route, a slant, a hitch, or a little screen to get the ball out on the perimeter into their playmaker's hands. Um, if you stay in a five-man box and try to stop the pass, they are going to go ahead and hand that off and try to run it. But, Thomas, especially of late, South Carolina's defensive line has been doing a lot of good work. How are they looking to stop this attack? You know, you you, you made a good point about uh, how this Missouri offense is is a run-first offense, and that's how they want to want to make their paychecks and and use a lot of those short passes to set things up. However, they haven't been had they excuse me they have not had a lot of success with that this year, and I'll tell you why. I will tell you why. It is Eli Drinkwitz to be this offensive guy, and, and he is he is one of those head coaches who was also a play caller. He, he, I, I haven't even looked at the coaching staff. They may have an OC on staff, but Eli is the play caller. They do He's, not. They do okay. not. Okay. Okay. Well, I think it is to his detriment and here's why. Saw some really interesting stats this afternoon in standard down situations. When I talk about standard downs, you're talking about first down, second and seven or fewer, third and four or fewer, these are standard downs when, when the offense has the advantage because they can really run anything they want as far as run pass and the defense can't predict it. However, you can predict it with Missouri. On standard downs, Missouri runs the ball 65% of the time. That is wow. insane. Wow. Very, very predictable. Taking it even further, on passing downs, passing downs being second and eight or more, third and five plus, Missouri passes it about 70% of the time. That is wildly predictable. It almost feels like he's got Marcus Satterfield on his staff, too. Are, are there two Satterfields? I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe Eli Drinkowitz is, is a clone of Satterfield. But 
So I say all that to say, you know, last week you talked well, you talked about Missouri's offensive line, and you're right, they are not very good. Prime example, last week in the Vanderbilt game, Vanderbilt entered that game averaging about five tackles for loss a game. Vanderbilt had 11, 11 TFLs against Missouri, wow. which is awful. Missouri's got the second worst offense in the SEC, and they almost lost to the worst offense in the SEC in Vanderbilt. So this offense is is very predictable. Uh, if you do any digging around on on Missouri message boards or, or subreddits, uh, everybody is is it's kind of weirdly a little bit of the A and M situation. Everybody wants Eli to hire a true OC, give up the play calling duties because he's pretty garbage right now, especially when when he doesn't have beige like a quarterback or and I'm blanking on his name now, but they had a running back that was there for 35 years uh, oh, and used to get his yards. Yeah, I can't. This probably won't come to me at the end here but all of that to say that Clayton White should be licking his chops preparing his game plan this week you don't have to do a whole lot you you talked about it earlier the South Carolina's offensive game plan needs to be simple it's pretty obvious exactly the same for the defense you don't have to be too exotic this week the front four has been playing very well this is going to be a, a really a, a really Fun. It should be a really fun game for this defensive line going against this offensive line. They should be able to live in the backfield, blow things up, load the box on standard downs, cover three on passing downs. Because as I said earlier, you know what they're going to do. Uh, this quarterback, he he has a tendency to hold on to the ball a little too long. He, unlike Rattler, he will sit in the pocket, but he sits in the pocket like a sitting duck. He does have some rushing attempts. A lot of those are getting flushed out of the pocket. But this should be a very basic, simple game plan, and that's exactly how South Carolina needs to play this defensively. I agree with you. And, you know, here's the thing. When we take our look into our final outlook here, this is another sort of a revenge game for South Carolina. Um, you know, with Kentucky, they had not we had not beaten them, what, in seven years or something along those lines? Something like that, yeah. And then you had all the – the talk about culture versus climate and putting on your stupid sunglasses and all that. So we wanted to go down to Lexington and give, give Stoops a little kick in the butt. And we did Texas A&M. We had never beaten last year. They beat us by 30 Missouri. This was a game I, last year. We should have won. Like we, we oh, yeah. were the, we were the better team and we didn't get them. Marcus Satterfield. So, yeah. Thank you. Uh, so this year it's another revenge game. Um, because, you know, this is an opportunity to get another one back uh, for Shane Beamer. South Carolina is ranked at 25 for the first time since 2018. Um, this is a game, Thomas, and I talked to you about this earlier in the week. This has trap game written all over it. Yeah, yeah. The, the line started at six and a half, I think. And is now down to four or four and a half, depending on where you're looking. You have to check Better's Edge to see if they have a better line for you. Um, but they that that's because, like we've just sat here and talked about, this could be one of those games where it feels like both offenses are stuck in the mud. 
Yeah. It's going to be a punt contest. Now, Kay Coger, I feel good about him punting the ball for us, but it's going to be a punt contest in my opinion. I don't know what the under is. I think it was around 45, 40, you know, something like that. I'd, I'd play the under if you're putting money on this game. Play the under for sure because I don't see either one of these teams scoring a whole lot of points unless there's some turnovers or some some big plays on, on special teams by South Carolina, hopefully. But – this is a game you can't overlook these guys. For as long as I can remember, Thomas, all the way back to the Lou Holtz era, when we have had good football teams, we tend to fall into these traps. Yeah. You know, we we have lost games like this in the past. We're on a roll, four in a row, ranked for the first time in forever. We, you're home. You had a great crowd last, last week. Hopefully you're going to have a great crowd again this week. We'll talk about that in a second. But this should be a game that you win. You are favored, although it has dropped. Honestly, if I'm a player, I mean, I know as a coach, you're not going to go in there and talk about the betting line. But you're 25th in the country, and these guys are 3-4, and four, and you're p- predicted to win by four points, which is basically calling it a toss-up. That's disrespectful. You ought to be angry about that. And, and you know, that's got to be something you got to do something about. Thomas, if there has been a true culture shift in Columbia, South Carolina, this is a game you win. And quite honestly, it's a game you win relatively big, in my opinion. You know, I'm not saying that Missouri, I think we are more talented player to player than Missouri. Would you agree with that, Thomas? Would you say that they are we are the more talented team? Absolutely. I think I think when you look solely at talent, we are better. Will we play better? Will we call better plays? Will we make better plays? That will only remain to be seen. But talent level for the first time, really, Thomas, in two weeks, you could make the argument, which we won both games, we are the more talented football team. You could convince me that Kentucky had a little bit more talent than South Carolina. You could convince me that on paper, Texas A&M had a little bit more talent than South Carolina. Speaking of paper, some guys may have been rolling some paper in the locker room at Texas A&M. Hey, there it is. Before before our game, I don't know what was happening there. Hi-o. But, Thomas... South Carolina needs something big, and here's why it's super important. I bet you don't know this stat, Thomas, unless you saw it in the notes. Missouri is tied for 93rd in the nation with averaging seven penalties per game. They average seven penalties a game. This is a team that will mess up. Last week in Willie B., even though the referees were trying to give the game to Texas A&M and not calling P.I. against Texas A&M all night, they had to call the false starts. And you got to give credit for, a lot, all the credit, but a lot of it to the crowd. It was insanely loud. They had a lot of freshmen out there for Texas a and even more than we anticipated. I think they had seven, eight false start penalties or procedure penalties against Texas A&M. You got to use your home field advantage here. Thomas, final thing. Can't turn the ball over. Can't turn the ball over. I tried to think about this. Has South Carolina played a clean game all year? I don't think they have. As far as no turnovers? As far as far as no turnovers. I don't think so. I, I mean, think I think so. I think you had some that were maybe in garbage time. I think right. against Charlotte it was a garbage time pick by by um Doty and stuff like that. But we have not had a single football game where we have mm-hmm. not had an a turnover. This needs to happen. Because this is a good football team, despite what their record says. This is a team that lost to Georgia by four points. And their three SEC losses, they are losing by an average of four four and a half points per game. They aren't getting blown out. They aren't getting blown out. So you got to be ready to play. Thomas, I believe 
that South Carolina is the more talented football team. I believe they have home field advantage, and I believe that home field advantage will play a part. I believe we are better. We have a great defense, and they don't have a great offense. Same in reverse. Yeah. So it's going to come down to special teams and turnovers. Thomas, what are your thoughts? Where Who comes out on top here? Yeah, so, um, you know, it's uh, Cocktober is not quite over yet, and Cocktober is all about breaking some streaks here. That's right. So I think the Cocks are going to take this one um, – 46 and a half, I believe, is the total I just saw. Um, don't know what book that was from, but 46 and a half. Probably going to hit the under on that. But I think this is this is going to be a, a tight game. This is going to be a, another one-score game where, you know, you're going to have to stick with it till the end of the game. Um, I worry that one of the things I worry the most about this game is because we talked about it, Missouri has a solid run defense. If, if That's probably the best – aspect of this team and Marcus Satterfield the genius that he is is going to try to run it two times and they're going to stuff it he's going to abandon it and it's going to look he's going to try to make it look like a seven on seven camp where he's slinging it all over the yard that's my biggest worry um if if South Carolina can stick to their game plan I firmly believe that they can win this game and they will cover the four and a half five four whatever that final number is at kickoff but it's it's gonna it's gonna be another cardiac Cox game for, for you longtime Gamecock fans out there. This will this will be a, a, a pucker game for sure. Absolutely. And if you're not a big Gamecock fan or a Missouri fan for that matter, this may not be a fun game to watch. I, yeah. I, I see a lot of three and outs in our future. And yeah. uh, that's never fun to watch. Uh, so all right, Thomas, typically here we would talk about the Clemson game, but they're on a bye this week. I do want to give a few minutes here to a reaction to their game against Syracuse. Thomas, obviously, the biggest news coming out of Death Valley after they did get a win against the Orange, although it was tight. Yeah. DJU gets benched because of ineffective play and turnovers. Clemson fans have got to be thinking, we thought we were past this. We thought we were past this. Thomas, if you're a Clemson fan right now, what's going on in your brain? You got to buy a week to get some things right, but are you ready to pull the cord or are you giving DJ another shot? No, no, I, I, I'm not. And, and here's the thing like, uh, you know, we, we have talked a lot about DJU this year and his struggles. And of late, until this Syracuse game, he has played really well. Uh, they have called good game plans for him. But honestly, DJU. He, he hasn't looked this bad since some of his struggles from last year, e- even from some of his struggles very, very early this year before he started getting things right. Um, but, no, I, I would absolutely not be ready to pull to pull that. I, I think it was a – it was – I think when they pulled him out and, and put Klubnik in, this was not a DJ, you lost your job. This was a – Hey, you've got the yips today, or hey, you're not you're not playing that great. We're, we're going to put you on the sidelines, let let you see some things from a different perspective. Get Klubnik in there, and Klubnik looked solid. However, he still looked like a freshman. He oh, still yeah. held he still held on the ball too long at times. He took some risky throws a few times. So, if I am a rational, level headed Clemson fan, I am not ready to pass a torch to Klubnik. I, I'm not. I would not call for that either. I, I agree with you. It's it's sort of like. A pitcher in baseball, 
You know, if exactly. even, if, even if you're a starter, some nights or days, you're just not going to have your, your best stuff. And they're, and they're going to come out there and get you and go, hey, man, we're going to let the bullpen finish it out for you. That's kind of what happened here. And really, it's not like Klubnik went out, went out there and, and, and lit it up. No. He did a lot of handing the ball off. Will Shipley played really well. Um, the defense played really well. Thomas, I don't have the schedule in front of me. Who does Clemson have next? God. I don't know, man. Why are you going to hit me with that? I'm sorry. But my point being, whoever it is, if DJU comes out and struggles again, how quick do the Boo Birds, if they're at home, start coming out? How quick does the call for cl- for Club Nick go? Ooh. Ooh. Uh-oh. Actually, okay, yeah. Their next game is they go to South Bend Ooh. at Notre Dame. That could be interesting. Notre that Dame's could be interesting. Not great this season, but it's hard to play in South Bend. It's a long, it's a long ride up to Indiana, um, or flight, I guess I should say. Uh, you know, again, how wh- here's I, here's the one thing about football that I'll say is different than baseball. Once you pull a guy, the leash is even shorter the next time. Oh yeah, like, yeah. The, 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 you know, once you've done it once, you're like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Come stand by me, son. So you know that'll be interesting to see next week when we talk more about that next week. But you know, Clemson had—they were on cruise control. They were on yeah. cruise control, and, and now they've hit a bump in the road. And you know, there's a lot of Syracuse fans and and non-Clemson fans that were complaining about officials in that game. Um, you know. Syracuse gave them a run for their money. They came out on top, but it, it certainly can't be how you wanted it to go if you were a Clemson fan last Saturday. Thomas? Yeah, and, yeah, and, and the thing is also is you look at it, Clemson had four turnovers in that game. I, I think DJ, DJ, you tossed a couple picks, had a fumble. Shipley had a very uncharacteristic fumble. Like I feel like he's, he's pretty solid with the ball, but it's, to have four turnovers in a game and still win is almost impossible. It's, so that was one of the surprising things for me, and I swear it looked like Syracuse was actively trying to lose that game in the fourth quarter. Yep, yep, I agree. I agree. So what's on the docket this week, Thomas? This week, man, I, I'm excited. I'm excited for some good games here. Um, our noon game. All right, noon game. I, I'm going to stick with the uh, Buckeyes. We got number two, Ohio State, at number 13, Penn State, Ohio State is favored by 15 and a half, the last number I looked at. Now, here's what's interesting about this game. You're talking about, you know, two touchdown and change spread on this game. I feel like this game is always close. And and there is there's also there's two teams seemingly that Ohio State just does not blow out, and that is Wisconsin and Penn State. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Penn State has kept the margin in this game less than 15 and a half in five straight matchups. This is this game is going to be really interesting. I'm really curious to see how how Ohio State plays this game. I agree. Um, I said it uh, in prior weeks. I think even when we were talking about Iowa last week, Ohio State always has a whoopsie game. Sometimes mm-hmm. it co- sometimes it costs them a win, and sometimes they just don't play well and they get out a little tight. And like you also said, they they seem to always Penn State seems to be able to play them close. It's in. Happy Valley. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I, I I think Ohio State should come out on top. I don't think they cover the spread. I think it'll be tighter than expected. I think it'll be like you said, a uh, uh, kind of a traditional here game that 
Ohio State and Penn State have played in the past couple of years where it's closer than than Ohio State fans would want. It's going to get Michigan fans all fired up because they, you know, <laughs> they, they worked Penn State. They're going to be all fired up that they're going to beat Ohio State. Well, that'll be remain to be seen. But if I'm putting money down, I'm putting money down that Penn State covers, Ohio State doesn't. But I think yeah. Ohio State gets the win. Yep. Yep. No, I'm with you on that one. Um, and, and, and speaking of some points to cover here, our three thirty game, we got the, the largest cocktail party, which seems to be uh, slowly dying out here. I don't know what the future of that's going to look like, but number one, Georgia is favored by 22 and a half against Florida. Here's the thing about this game. Georgia's number one. They've been sitting at number one for, for Lord knows how long. Um, this Georgia team is really interesting to me, and they get more and more interesting as the season goes on because I think they, they've got some legit weaknesses here. Yeah. Georgia, and, and I say this fully realizing that they demolished my Gamecocks. Notwithstanding that, that has nothing to do with this because the Gamecocks aren't that great and probably are just barely eking into the top 25. But here's the thing about Georgia. Georgia – does not have that great vertical threat. They they rely on their run game and tight ends, underneath routes, drag routes, things like that. They don't have that that over the top guy that can take the top off of defense. Offensive line is is okay, but they did get a little dominated by Missouri, the same Missouri team that's coming to Columbia, South Carolina this weekend. The defense has taken a step back, especially on the defensive line. Their linebackers are still great. What what I'm saying is somebody, somebody, in my opinion, is going to shred Georgia this year, but it ain't going to be Florida. <laughs> I was just about to say, uh, yeah, you're right, but it ain't going to be the Gators. Uh, it ain't going to be the Gators. I, I, Florida's just not that good. Uh, Florida's just not that good. I mean, I say that with them looming on South Carolina's schedule, <laughs> yeah. um, but – they they just haven't been that great this year. Um, I think Georgia wins. I I could. What did you say it was twenty two and a half. Twenty two and a half. Yeah. I could see them not covering that for the things you I just agree. for the things I you agree. just mentioned. Um, they have weaknesses, and I, I could see them not covering that. Do they? Does does Georgia play uh, Tennessee next weekend? I think maybe. Yes. Yes. I yeah. think you're right. Is Georgia looking ahead to the Vols? Because point. that that game is, for all intensive purposes, going to decide the East. Um, minus you know Tennessee laying some kind of an egg against Kentucky, um, which they're wearing black jerseys for the first time, uh, or I don't know if they've ever done that before. Um, by the way, we're garnet black guys, y'all aren't. So please stop, st- stop doing can, stuff like that. Can, can I? Can I? Side note here. It and, and I'm will, uh, I'm trying not to stand on this soapbox too long, but I <laughs> despise teams wearing black jerseys or uniforms when black is not one of their colors or any other color for that matter. If black is not in your official media guide, your color scheme, don't do it, man. Don't do it. I agree with you. Listen, I'm all for a little fun with jerseys and helmets, but stick to your color scheme. Like yes, I don't please. I, 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 didn't we come out in chrome helmets one time or something? Or I can't. Or was that yes. just always asked for on the online? I can't remember. But yeah. we, we're, chrome's not a color we have. Like we're garnet and black. So anyway. I say it, we, we we got off the rails there, and I got us off the rails. Um, <laughs> I I think they I think Georgia wins comfortably, but I mean at twenty two and a half with the weaknesses they do have, I don't I don't see it. 
Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And you know that, uh, you know, you never know which Anthony Richardson quarterback is going to show up. I think he's probably good for, uh, he's going to have one of those big long scrambles and every Georgia fan in the country is going to crap their pants over it. And, but yeah, Georgia's going to win. But honestly, if, if, you know, if you're forcing me to put action on this, uh, I might take Florida to cover. I, I, I just think that Georgia's not good enough right now to, to win by, I mean, that's, that's more than three touchdowns. I mean, at the end of the day, you're, you know, you got to win by more than three touchdowns to cover that. So I, I just don't know that they're good. They have, I mean, you just talked about it. They, they beat Missouri in Columbia, Missouri by four points. Like, yeah. I mean, th- th- I don't know. I don't know that they are that good. Um, I think they win. I think they win by two scores, but I don't think it's, I don't think they cover 22 and a half. Yeah. I don't either. Um, so uh, that 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 game for me is, is is certainly not my marquee matchup of the weekend. I'm just I'm just interested in it. Uh, I'm sure. just really curious to see what's going to happen. Marquee matchup here for me. I am beyond excited for for certain reasons. Our seven o'clock game here, number nineteen Kentucky at number three Tennessee Volunteers. Tennessee is favored by twelve and a half. In this mm. game, this is one of those games that, you know, had I not had I just had I seen Tennessee play this year and I seen Kentucky play, but I, I had no idea what the line was on this game. I would say, man, Tennessee's probably favored by 18 and a half, 19, maybe even 20 points in this game. But as you mentioned before, what what does Vegas know that we don't know? Right. This game is is very interesting to me. Um, fun stat that I saw earlier today, which is crazy. Tennessee is 121st out of what 132, 131 teams. 121st in time of possession nationally, but they are first nationally in total offense at 570 something yards a game and scoring at 50 points a game. That is how lightning fast that offense is. If what Chip Kelly was doing at Oregon, you know, in the early 2000s was like playing tempo, what Texas A&M is doing, I'm sorry, what Tennessee is doing is warp speed. Like this yeah. is they it's ludicrous speed, it, ludicrous speed, go to ludicrous speed. <laughs> like it's, it is uh, for you young kids out there. That's a space balls reference. Um, it's, uh, it's insane how fast they play. It's insane how fast they play. Like honestly, we're gonna we'll talk about this more when South Carolina gets their t- chance at Tennessee. I, I don't think that Marcus Satterfield is smart enough to do this. I'm playing as slow as humanly possible on offense when you play yeah. Tennessee. If I'm yeah. Kentucky, uh, I, when I get, I, I'm not snapping the ball before two seconds are left on the play clock. Absolutely. I'm I am inking out every single second because guess what? Every second you're out there, your defense isn't. And, you know, same with the punt. Listen, I'm taking a whole lot of delay of games. If we're in a situation where we're trying to pin them deep, an extra five yards ain't going to hurt us. Bleed that clock. Go do it. Give, give yourself extra room because you, the best defense right now, literally the best defense right now for, against Tennessee is for their offense to not be on the field. Like, so you've got to keep the ball away from them. Um, this sort of has a trap game feel to it. Right, because Tennessee's getting ready for Georgia, and I mean, they as much as Georgia can't overlook Florida too much, Tennessee definitely can't o- overlook Kentucky. 
you got some you got some good players on that team. Chris Rodriguez is a great running back. I'm still not sold on Will Levis, which by the way, I think I saw he compared himself to Josh Allen recently oh and God. I want to be like easy cowboy. Easy slow down the you now champ. But Tennessee is going to play at ludicrous speed. Uh and you know what Josh Heupel is going to say is, you know what? I'm your father's brother's mother's friends cousins Joseph <laughs> So what does that make us? Absolutely nothing. So I'm pretty sure he's going to put it on Mark Soups if he can. And I hope big old Heupel throws on some sunglasses and a hat and does a little dancing after this game. I, I think I think Tennessee, sometimes teams, Thomas, are just clicking and are just in that groove. Georgia was like that last year. Tennessee right now, and I'm a Gamecock fan, die hard. It kills me. That's who they are right now. They yeah. are clicking on all cylinders. Everything's working. Everybody's making plays. Until I see a reason to believe all of a sudden they fall off the rails by themselves, I think they're going to I think they're going to win and cover and they're going to go into is it in Athens next week? Um that game is uh yeah, it's in Athens. That's that makes that interesting. We'll get to that next week, but that makes that interesting. I think they win and I think they cover. Um I, because here's the thing, right now and you and I tried to say this and it hadn't proven true yet. It's a gimmicky offense. People are going to figure it out. Nobody has. Nah. And you just flat out get exhausted. You just yeah. flat out get exhausted. I think Kentucky's defense is very good, but right now their offense is is, is okay. They have a great running back, but I I think Tennessee wins and wins covering and are getting ready to go down to Athens, play college game day for the third time this year. And that's going to be a – I can't wait to next week talk about whatever the StubHub ticket price is for those games, those tickets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think you're right. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go on record with this because there's a, there's a very good chance that – you will be flying solo next week. I will be at home with a brand new newborn next week. So I'm going to go on record right now that Tennessee is going to smoke Georgia. Nice. Well, for all our fans out there, I will say on their behalf and certainly mine, buddy, and you know we'll talk here and there. Congratulations on that. You're going you're gonna to love it. You're going to love every second of it, except for not getting a whole lot of sleep, but that's okay. <laughs> except uh, for that small detail. Except for that small part. If you are a fan of our show and you'd like to follow us on social media, we are at SAA Football Fan. At SAA Football Fan on both social medias of Twitter and Instagram. You can email us at saafootballfan at gmail.com. Thomas, we did get an email, but don't worry. It doesn't involve you. A fan asked me, how in the world am I an Eagles fan? Two simple Ooh. words. Ooh. Deuce Staley. <laughs> Donovan Deuce, McNabb. And Donovan McNabb, who also beat <laughs> Clemson, but Deuce Staley. Deuce Staley and then Alshon Jeffrey and then uh, just a million Gamecocks. Sheldon Brown. The list goes on and on. We're still undefeated. We're going to beat the Steelers this weekend. Thomas, since this might be your last show for a little while, tell the people something great as you head out the door. That's a, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure on me. So I'm going to try to get back as quickly as possible. May have a little bit of brain fog from that lack of sleep. But everybody, get out there. Enjoy this weather. Enjoy the fall weather. Enjoy some football. And enjoy making some money on Better's Edge. Nice. See ya. See ya.